Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Check. Check. <laughs> Check. It's been, it's been a minute. I feel like I saw you. Entwine. Well, Entwine, of course. At last I saw you physically, though, as I see here now. All right. Yeah. I was, uh, Danny Clinch's festival. Yeah. Is that when we saw you? No. I saw him there. Oh, you I did? just saw him, like I, oh. like, you know, with my eyes. With I don't eyes. think we even said, said hello. hello. I was like moving from stage to stage with my papers and stuff and drawing and doing that thing. Todd DeCercio, come to where I'm from podcast episode one fifteen. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This was, is awesome. I was just listening to this whole talk. Have you gone on Clubhouse yet? No, what's Clubhouse? The new app. Oh, uh, wait. It's interesting. Is this going to be the jump off for Instagram? Because if it yeah. is, I'm, I'm so ready <laughs> jump for Jump off? Yeah, it, it actually it is. I'm it, so ready. It totally is because it's all based on talking. So it's just like you go in these rooms and there's these conversations going on. So in a weird way, it's like the opposite of of that whole thing social media has been, which has been like, here's a wacky image of me, or here's like a cool image of me, or whatever. Or, you know, it's all image-based. I mean, you also, people make videos and write, uh, you know, what do you call them? Blogs. No, no, the captions. Captions. Right. So there can be substance, you know. Mm-hmm. But all this right. is all substance. Did you just I'm, join or what? Yeah, and it's interesting. You want to give your, your hashtag on there? <laughs> I think it's Joseph Arthur. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> I was actually... So, so I was just on there listening to this whole uh, room conversation about NFTs in the art market, digital art market. NFTs. Yeah, that's the new thing. Right. What Bring me up to speed. For? Dude, you're going to know this because this is like where everybody's going now. Because now there's a digital art market and you can sell your digital art or digitize your analog art and make a whole lot, you know, of inroads that way. I'm ready. I've been the purest of purists, you know, I mean, for with, with what I do. Because all I do is bury my head in, in the work and, and make marks. You know, I'm, I'm on paper and canvas so nfts what's that stand for non-fungible tokens (laughs) non-fungible tokens non-fungi yeah (laughs) non-fungi well then that's not i really think that (laughs) that's not me either actually not for me (laughs) hold on let me look it up yeah uh, not for tourists like us nft not for trade not for trade your clothing line that you did with marsh Mm. That's killer. Thank you. Simon Spur. I've been a fan of his forever. Yeah, non-fungible tokens. What the? Might what? be fungible. I thought you were Spell it. this. F-U-N-G-I. 
B-L-E. Fungible? It could be fungible. I don't know. But it's F-U-N-G-I-B-L-E. I thought you were joking. It's a way to have a digital signature. Did you start uploading yet or what? I mean, I'm into digital art. I've been on the iPad and doing that for a long time. Procreate. So, yeah, like with Procreate or... Uh, Do you use the pad alone or use a separate drawing pad? No, I draw right on the pad okay. with the pencil now. And so I've been into it. How does it feel in, as opposed to, you know... I mean, it's not as... What's the trade-off with surfaces? Well, okay... Well, now, like, they actually have a screen that you can put on your iPad that has, like, a texture. Oh, it has a tooth. has a little tooth. Yeah. Yeah, which I need to get. That sounds more appetizing. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get Why? that. Why? Just because the pen feels different on it? It's like you anchor the writing utensil or the drawing utensil into the page. And if you don't have that, it's just like a glass surface. Nice. So it's... It's too smooth, actually. The smoothness takes away for the sensitivity, and so you can't get that thing that you get from paint, you know, like where right. it's just the lift and the and the push. Yeah, drawing like a straight line becomes more difficult. And the it's people who use the big ass it. screens and and home is that also smooth? I don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the smooth. That's like the the real drafters. Those guys go after it with those. I've seen those screens, and I I don't understand. But so that has no texture either, though. No, it's nothing. It's just a blank. And those guys kind of like, they're like, you know, stenographers where they're they're like, you know, it's it's funny that that's pretty much what I do when I paint bands too. It's mm -hmm. like the same vibe, but I really need the music. I can't be looking at a screen like that. It'd kill me. It sucked my soul right out of me, I the, think. Hey, so when the paintings you make live, have you ever tried to make something similar on your own? And can you do it? Or is the energy from the audience in the painting? The energy is straight from the artist for me. I, I've kind of like when I get to that point where it's all those, you know, that moment where you're going to make that first mark, it blocks out everything except like what's happening on that stage. I really don't even consider the audience and um someone recently asked me about doing a piece of like the audience and i was like why i was like this is about the energy that the artist creates and i'm reacting to that in in a way i mean that's what i feel like is happening but the fact that it's in a live situation where there's like so many people observing you or you don't think that energy gets into the work in any way? No. Huh. I've never even thought of it. Uh, I think my nerves more, what, what it would affect me before or after the work. And when I actually I don't work, mean in a bad way. No, not or in a bad way. Or nerves necessarily, just energy. I think I, if... If I'm anything for that, I'm more of a filter and I'm just kind of like, it, if it's hitting me and I'm working with it, then it's, it's there. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there's definitely, you know, there's a, there's a bristle to a show that has these almost force fields to it that are kind of coming at you. And, and I think that is a lot of the band even reacting to the audience. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's there. Have you ever compared live paintings with paintings you do in a studio? No. Never? Like, <laughs> is there a difference? There is. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, for mine, there's a massive difference mm-hmm. from what I do live to what I do in the studio. It's like walking into a completely different house, in, you know, in, in my world. Yeah. I won't touch them after, after I leave the right. venue. They don't get edited. It's a, it's a WYSIWYG from the time the performance starts to the end of it, and I don't edit, and it's just done. And then Never gone back in on one? Nope. I have. Have you really? <laughs> oh yeah, on your yeah, live ones, definitely. Yeah. The next night, not not always, yeah. but like here and there, I will. I'm not like I kind of consider it done, but then if I see, especially if I if it hangs around for a while, I mean that that's the way paintings usually work anyway. If they're hanging around in my crib, like. So you then brought it in. I need to open that up. I, I've not been able to open that up to that. I feel like it's a there's a, a dogma to the to the idea of what I do. So it's like very strict to the process of start when they start and when they end and do no more, you mm-hmm. know, and like show the guys at the end of the show and then take it home and archive it. And then that's it. And then in my home, I'm like, then the next day I'm like putting ink grounds and, and working with acrylic and paint and the night before or whatever performance that was is completely gone. It's like a, I'm onto a new reference. Almost. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't do it the next day, but like two months later it's been sitting on my mantle oh the other paintings i do are yeah right but the the other paintings i do like you know you have to have them in your studio Mm -hmm. your work and and you want to keep working on it so when is a funny question when people ask hey how long did that painting take right you like start calculating Uh, hours where you're working on it plus five other paintings at the same time and you're like i don't know like a month wow it took uh, you a month i'm like I mean, like the actual actions within the painting don't take that long. It's all the consideration. Why is it a time thing too for people? Right. Like how long did that take? It's like, why does that to, matter? Are you is valuing? It worth more? Yeah, is it, five yeah. minutes or five but hours. It, but yeah, that's what they're saying. I yeah. think. Well, Picasso, Picasso, you know, signed yeah. restaurant bills for in two seconds, and that was a hundred dollar bill or whatever. So. Who knows? Yeah, but for the audience, like when he paints live, I feel people, if they see it, okay, it only took him 15 minutes. Oh, it's it can't be worth that much when you try to sell it. it's There's some sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disconnect. Well, there, there's a Correlation total... of how much people are willing to pay when they know it took longer to make or something. Yeah, that, that value added thing. The value, um, yeah. The point is, it was about a time and place. Mm-hmm. And if people don't, understand that that it was about the time and you were there for that experience that in itself i i think is priceless i mean that's that's where it's at that's when you determine your price right (laughs) so don't you get asked like after a show like you uh how much for that and they're thinking like a hundred dollars you know like like, i'll give you a hundred dollars right now for that it's not for sale the thing is like for me it's usually at least a hundred dollars worth of material that, yeah. that's a start like the, can, the canvas and then like you know getting good oil sticks or whatever you use Acrylic. it's like yeah it's the investment is already in there so yeah. gotta give me more than what i paid for it oh way <laughs> way way more <laughs> but i guess picasso said something like that where somebody he sold something for a lot of money that took 15 minutes and somebody called him out on that and then he goes, yeah, it took me 15 minutes plus the 45 years I was alive before. <laughs> That's right. To learn how to do that. 
That's right. It's like we just yeah. showed up out of the box. <laughs> Here he is, the jack-in-the-box painter. How many people were standing around Picasso when he was painting and watching him? Not that many. I don't know. So. I'm telling that story wrong, I'm sure, but there's something <laughs> like along it. those lines. Might not even be Picasso. We could go Picasso all day. It's actually yeah. Joseph Arthur who said that. <laughs> I actually just made it up. So how, when did you start painting? Like, How did you come into being an artist? I think as a... As a kid, there was, I just, my, my mother uh, taught art, um, she, so I had that experience happening. And at the same time, doing art classes as a young kid, maybe it was just encouraged, but I think from that experience and just drawing on, on tons of paper all the time, you know, every kid starts drawing, mm -hmm. you know, and all parents have these things in their head about like, oh, my kid's going to be an artist, and then they just like redirect and never touch a piece of paper again I think the combination of uh that thing that you want to do it plus I think art and our a true artist really is affected by uh so many traumas in their life and that experience then like can be uh translated easier for them their term their mode of expression becomes a little easier and it seems to just go directly on to these mediums like for whatever reason art is easier that way um I don't mm. I don't mean it like it's so easy for someone that's, you know, dealt with things, but they definitely have a lot more ammunition, you know, to work with. Yeah. So that's interesting. And that's kind of the, the path. It's like this dysfunction junction that you, that you live on. And it's like, well, that's my life. You can't change that. And so, and then it, it, it bleeds right into it. Fine art school for me was an automatic. I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to do this, you know, but I'm lying because I started my first year undeclared. I was like, you know what? I can be a businessman. I can just like, I'll freaking do music on the side or art, blah, blah, blah. And there was no way. I, I nearly failed out of school the second semester I was there. And I said, I'm begging you to put me in the fine art department. <laughs> and the dean was like, dude, your grades aren't even enough to mm. transfer you. Like we, And then it took a few meetings and just me begging and they allowed it. And they said, you better be the best damn artist that ever graduated from this school. And I don't think I am at all. Um, but they gave me the chance, and I, I definitely took it seriously. What school was it? Kutztown University in Pennsylvania. Okay. And I double majored there in uh, life drawing and printmaking. And did you do good? Did you do better? I, I graduated at top of the class there for with double major and I was very serious about it. I was extremely adamant. Wow. Once they let me in, I was like, it was just a, I felt it. It was just like this energy it was like, boom. And I was constantly creating like above, it felt like a, a thing where I wasn't even paying attention to syllabuses. Like it was just this outlet. And they were like, don't burn out. I remember like a lot of my professors being like, you know, you're working fast, like real fast. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Cause it's the opposite. They like like working hard promotes more work. It's the burnout comes like when you're stilted or stunted by your own dysfunction. It's true. That's you the, stop yourself. You stop yourself. Yeah. And then it like and then it's just weird because like the impetus that makes you make stuff suddenly turns on you. And then it becomes dark. Yeah. You know what I mean? It Scar does. Scary as shit. It does. And then and then you look at <laughs> then you stare that down and you're dealing with a whole new 
like set of variables in this thing and you're like ah what's this what is this and and you want to work with that and then your work gets ugly or you know maybe to you and who, who knows i got I, I went through some really heavy dark phases with my work i mean just black ink black paint just figures disfigured life portraits giant works on paper and my professors were like he's going down he's going down the dark side now you know and it was just happening and it wasn't about even my syllabus at that time so they were telling you know you get a syllabus and this Define syllabus. I know, but I just want the it's audience. It's kind of like asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> like syllabus. Your study, your study. For the semester. Whatever. Yeah, they yeah. give you this kind of outline okay. of times and projects that are probably these little, who knows, everybody does it different, but it's list. like an outline. <laughs> and To-do list. Yeah. And it goes right. from the top to the bottom of the semester. It's like you're going to have this to hand in then and this to hand in then. And you're going to study this and this, but they don't tell you how you're going to study it or, you know, or what they're going to teach you in those windows because you have to be in class to experience that. That's part of your education. And uh, I, um, from day one of that treatment and realizing that I had too much energy to even sit through it, um, that I wanted to create that entire time. And it would just build and build and build. So I would go home and I'd paint through the night and I just keep piling up works. And when the deadlines came around, I literally pick from like 10 to 13 different works. And I'd be like, oh, oh, that one fits, that one fits. And I told my uh, advisor at one point that I was doing that and I got, I got in heaps of trouble for that. That was not a good thing to tell an advisor. Why? I guess I was kind of proud of it. I was like, God, look at all this work. Oh, of course you were. And they're like, and they're like, like Yo, Wait, so can, what are you doing? You're not even paying attention. <laughs> Well, but it sounds like you were just doing your thing. Did you actually learn anything there? Of course. Oh, okay. But you got to remember, too, like the people that you're confessing those things to have their own relationship with their own work and their own procrastination and their own inability to get on with it. So when an artist is going, hey, man, I'm just killing it every <laughs> single fucking day. I'm having too much you fucking want, fun here. You want them to be proud <laughs> yeah. of you and go, yeah, man, but it's like human beings are human beings, you know? Like, And art school for me was also the uh, the attack of psychedelics. Like I, I had, I dove headfirst into... I remember opening a drawer and looking at a five by seven postcard that was just a sheet of acid. Mm -hmm. And I would just rip off three, four, five a day and show up in class. I have a similar drawer to them then. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I remember that. It, Actually, I a full credenza. <laughs> I have that drawer in my house. <laughs> so everybody has one of those drawers at one point in their life, I think. And it, amazingly enough, I feel like it all kind of stuck, not just in my ankles, but I feel like in my brain, it, it it stayed open. Everything I was dealing with then, and I can still kind of use recall now, and it's really incredible to be able to do that, that I've actually maintained and retained a lot of the, the recall to, to work through mm -hmm. it, use that energy, so to speak, without having to use. So. The only problem with like going through periods like that where you're just extremely productive and you're completely all in without any, any sort of doubt, you know, like that youthful ego in the right place in a way like is when you then go through periods later and you're older and maybe not inspired it, it happens sometimes you it must 
you know, and then you compare what you're currently like to that guy, and then you that's a it becomes an instrument to beat you up. I try so hard to never answer to or make comparisons with anyone's work because I've always felt that uh, that this thing isn't a competition. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I think somehow in the business of it that can like get in your head i mean bit. comparing yourself to yourself though oh, oh that's what going, I, I was talking about we're compar- going way down there I, yeah i was talking about comparing like your like i'm just talking for myself yeah. though. like sometimes when i'm going through a dry spell or period where i can't get on with it for whatever reason then i'll think of times when i was killing it well, you know, you know. A, a good way to like, this is how, how I like to eliminate that. And I think I'm speaking to this now, what you're talking about. But I always say that uh, the last thing that I created is the single worst thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm working on it, that it's, it's the worst thing ever. And you got to do better. And you have to figure it out on this painting that you're doing right now. And then you're done it and you're finished. You're not sure you're finished. You don't know if it's done yet. And you go, it's done. And you're like, it's awful. And then grab another one and, and just keep, keep going. And you're just ultimately for me, I, I mean, I don't know how you create or how you like to do it. But for me, I'm just thinking about, uh, off the bat, I'm just like allowing the, the tools of like negative space and composition kind of rule the idea and then add the expression, the marks just to that. So I have sort of a composition or almost in my head, but then I'll work around it. Like I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna check out this angle or this angle and, you know, and kind of do it, you know, from 360 degrees, mm-hmm. so to speak, instead of like getting stuck on one way of like oh i i see a figure here and they're laying down but this way looks like they're floating and they're stuck to a ceiling and maybe um there's something to be said for that and there's someone watching here or they're i don't know mm-hmm. like every space is thought about sort of it yeah. it, it all ends up this this square or whatever you use as your ground uh is is not that it's there is no border Mm. but you what were you saying about this negative reinforcement where you say this last thing i did was the worst thing ever i don't know why that's encouraging oh it's challenging i think that's the challenge i think that's what keeps you like i can like i can do this i can keep doing this i don't know it's just that that challenge that you can do better, you mean? Um, that you can always uh, challenge yourself to observe a, a wider, you know, viewpoint, or or just to keep learning. I think in the end, you just want to keep learning about yourself and and how you're reacting to things, because ultimately, I think as life painters, which is what we are, you're reacting to the world and what's happening around you. So you almost have to tap a source to get energy all the time that's always happening for you. You may not even realize it's happening and you either store it up or you kind of just shush it away. And sometimes the shush away stuff, you remember it later and you're like, Oh, I thought of that when I was working on this thing. It wasn't important then, but you know what? Here it is now. And it's, it's going to work, you know? Right. So it's real free. But you're never happy then with anything you make. 
Not really. Right. <laughs> Do you never look at something, man, like, it's great. I killed it. The live paintings are, are the ultimate stick because, like, that thing where I'm trying to say the most with the least. Like, my marks are kind of a single line, blind contour, unless I'm painting with ink. And I'm just trying to get it at an essence out of what's happening in front of me um, musically for that experience, but moreover, I think, as a portrait. And uh, that gets crazy because I think I've said to Megs a couple of times, it's really funny, but like o over the years, I'm like, you know, if I die with a brush in my hand and I can just like look at a blank canvas and it's like a dot, like I, I load the, the brush and I go, but... And it's just like, make one last dot. That's the most successful painting I will have created in my entire life. Like, because if I could just keep getting to that point to, to do that, where you can just like load something with a single mark can mean so much emotionally. How do you charge it? How do you keep charging it? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you giving to that to, to make that mark talk back really and, and say something to the audience? And what do you think that is? I don't know. I, I never know. And I, I feel like I have collectors that they own stuff. They live with things and then they, I'll get a phone call. And, hey, did you, uh, did you put a rhinoceros in that painting? I see, I'm looking over here and like do a FaceTime. Like I'm looking, I see this, does this, a, and I'm like, I, I didn't do that. I was like, I'm glad you saw that. It's really, that's super interesting to me, mm -hmm. but no, it was not built into the work. And most of the time, it's bi that's what biomorphic extra value, lines right do. there. Yeah, there's added value. <laughs> I'm gonna need another 10k for that. You found a rhino. Ah, oh, yeah, it's 10k. Boy, if only. Call my my NFT broker. So <laughs> the NFT. I'm yeah. telling you, man. <laughs> I'm telling the future. you. <laughs> so, that's like, what do you think of this idea where they say painting is a performance, but one that you don't see? Like, it's one that's captured but it's a performance captured in time or something along these lines. There's a quote about it, but I can't think of it right now. Performance captured in I guess so. It's a, it's a performance. Like when you're doing a painting, like alone in your studio, you are performing. Like there is a performance aspect to it. But There's a lot of guys that like it, jump around too, like Jose Parla. And right, just, or even the guy with the boxing gloves. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, Like that type of shit. That's true performance painting. Yeah. I mean, that's what that is. But, I'm, I'm not but, a performance But what's painter. interesting is that you see the evidence of the performance. You yeah. don't see the performance. You're not Unless you're live, but I'm not talking about that. I can barely dance as it is. Yeah. You know, but it is a dance. I think there's something to be said for that, like in, you, in your way of, of creating marks, like how you use the tools. Um, and that could be like you, I don't know, as, as, as subtle as like the twist of a brush and, and a wrist thing is, can make a, can make something explode on a, on a, on a work. Yeah. So the performance, I think it's, that's again, try to say the most with the least. Like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you charge? I can't get into like the whole, that's that, I, maybe that's why I've never really, I mean, all the works I've done and I, I don't know if you ever even, have you been to a show where I've, I've painted? Well, you might have been at, well, you probably at one, but maybe not even know I was there. And, and that's the reality of it. I mean, that's who I am in those shows. I, I hide. So I'm either up in a balcony or I'm behind a stack on stage, mm -hmm. um, completely out of sight, out of mind. 
because I'm on the floor and I'm usually just working over top of it and and it's not a me performing uh, and I was just kind of trying to be a uh, um, a conduit almost to to have you ever done it to where the audience can see the painting there there have been uh there have been moments I can recall a show uh, with this band Guster from this was like when they they uh, produced Steve Lillywhite produced an album and they were they were on fire and then we did a show together and I did a live painting and and they had me do it on stage so I was, I was that made me nervous so there here we go like oh you're gonna be we want you on stage with us and I'm like as a as like an auxiliary member and I'm like I'm like okay you know I'll, I'll go for it and it was a bigger piece it was large that's because they're hippies yeah and they were like <laughs> and yeah they are hippies and I love that they're pranksters I'm just kidding I'm like I'm not I'm not dissing I think we're part hippies too I yeah, mean, I'm look, a, I'm look a how we hippie, yeah. look how we're living exactly so I mean they they had this whole setup where at the end of the show, they said, okay, so at the end of the show, you're done, right? At the end, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm finished. It's done. Okay, so they're like, cool. So then walk out onto the stage, holding it up to the middle of the stage and just wait for the cue. And I'm like, hey, you got to be kidding me. I was like, absolutely not. And they're like, hey, come on. And I was like, all right. So the end of the, it was like the that very end of the show. Much. And it was after an encore. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't hard convincing because I knew I was finished with it. I don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. And so like I, I take it out and literally and then hold it up and this, all these lights go on in the middle of it. And the, they did this like encore. It was like, ba 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 you know, like a full encore thing. Hippies. And like, and just shut down the lights. And I was like, that was ridiculous. That was uncalled for, <laughs> absurd. And we laughed it all night. Fun, though. It you, was fun. Are you They're usually fun. commissioned by bands or it's just friends at this uh, point? No, yeah. So um, it's it's really been about. It started with bands that I that I love that I love to listen to in the studio, and and that I I just always have on all the time. And I'm like, oh, how. How is this affecting, how is this music that's playing right now affecting what I'm doing? It has to. Something's going on because I'm feeling different emotionally. I react differently to songs. So that has to be doing something to the paintings. That's how it started. So I originally was, was asked to uh, do a live show in Orlando in 2000 with Guided by Voices. That was the very first one. Mm. Before that, I had done a lot of portraits of artists like recording or making sculptures, just working. Um, but it had never been done for me at an actual event or performance. So it was this kind of event thing right there from the start. And then it just started to snowball. It was like, I remember uh, Jason Ross from Seven Mary Three was in the audience right then and there. And he's like, hey, you do that with our band. And was, uh, was you know, actually I think it was Giddy, their drummer. And that's how I met Jason. But anyway, long short, it just kind of like went on. And um, I started reaching out to bands. And I remember finding a, a CD in the trash of, of Grizzly Bear. And I this was back in the MySpace days. And I, I reached out to him on MySpace. I was like, hey, I want to draw you guys. They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, come to Soundcheck. So I went to Soundcheck. They're like, okay, cool. We're going to set you up over here. It sounds great. And it just, I would just keep reaching out to bands. And 
going the route of bands that I loved and, and was working with. And so, yeah, it was super fun. Have any of them become like album covers or anything like that? Or used in any way I for promotion? So Broken Social Scene used uh, theirs for a uh, tour that's, poster. That's great. It was awesome. It was 2011, yeah. I think. Was that it? That's when you were starting still. Yeah. Well, so oh, that's no, 2011. 2011. Yeah. So 11 years. Um, and that was, and then they, they did a tour poster and a t-shirt. It was really cool. And they're super into the arts. You did know, you so get that, like residuals for that? <laughs> They just paid me. Okay. So. Because if you for if you're dealing with NFTs, then if they like repurpose artwork, like or they or if somebody resells your artwork at a higher price, then more money gets kicked back to you. So it's like you so you get royalties as an artist as opposed to like the art market now. So it's, it's blowing my mind, yeah, this whole NFT thing yeah. since the beginning. So do you, do you have a separate studio or do you work out of your house? Uh, I live and work in the space that I create in. So it's a thousand square foot loft in Williamsburg. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 And is, th are, is work everywhere or what's, what's the, is it? A, I've is, managed to uh, put a lot of the work on paper into flat files. People have no idea how much space this shit takes. They man. have no clue. It's crazy. Yeah, I have no clue. It's, it's crazy, dude. When it's a hobby for someone and yeah. they can work in a, in a little bathroom, that's fine. Yeah. But when you have, when you're just cranking it out. It spreads all like over we the do. place. It's just everywhere at once and you yeah. look like a hoarder of your own work <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you very much because i have hoarding tendencies anyway uh, like it's gonna happen just, just without being an artist but then you factor in like painting with like the art supplies and all that and you accumulate stuff and this that the other then, then, then music too. The music okay. that takes space. You want to go down too. the vinyl wormhole with me? <laughs> oh man, I can't even deal with that. How how's your how's your collection holding up? Mine's I about mean, to fall through the floor. I have I I've like I used to have more records, you and know? you had to like dump off a little bit, right? Some, yeah. Well, CDs came and went, and my friend that had a a record store, who still does, Human Head in Brooklyn, he stop by one day and he says you you gonna keep all these cds i was like i don't even know if they play he's like i'll buy them <laughs> so he went through all of them and and got them all off my hands so thank god because the last thing i wanted to keep are cds i still have mine in storage but not to belabor the whole nft thing but that's what is also happening is our whole world is becoming more virtual and so within those virtual spaces people want to do things like even buy a hat that has a brand on it like for your digital avatar not even yeah. for you and they'll pay real money for that and then they want that avatar to have some kick-ass paintings and they're little like i'm hoping this like, <laughs> like what you're talking about it's, it's wild but it's, I don't, it's I'm, what's I'm embarrassed happening to say but 10 year olds who play all these games like right. roblox they're yeah. all buying clothes for their avatars because i know my daughter's Dude, obsessed that's with what this i'm shit. saying like but it's it goes beyond what? that it's yeah. adults Adults it's, want paintings. They want to People want to collect things. People with money want to yeah, collect they do. things. You they know? do. So, but like to to situate yourself as an artist in the in the place where you can sort of 
because you because you have to keep man like you have to keep like reimagining yourself and re like manifesting yourself and the the manifestations of old don't necessarily stack up and sometimes they work against you in terms of just like oh what, what's going on now you know what i mean like that type of shit i do i do so it's just interesting that like especially in this world where we have to keep reimagining ourselves and keep like there's no there's no rest here you know in a way you're right no you're right <laughs> but you're a creator and so I, I feel that i know exactly what you're talking about right and this NFT thing, you've, it's, it's got my ear because if, if there's a way that that can be marketed without me dealing with it, like... Well, you have to deal with it, but it's a different thing to deal with. It's yeah. like getting into, like, there's, there's NFT art markets called, like, super rare. Because I've been researching... You and me are going to watch this, like, in the future and be like, we're going to have to do a whole new podcast because now we're nft experts we can't show people that. oh yeah no well let's do a we'll do a before a, and after. we'll do another one in a year now that the seeds like planted NFT you can bet experts. your ass and we'll find out what the hell it's all about no i know you will yeah it's, and you and hopefully it does great for you but there's there's ones called rareable and then super rare and these are like nft art spaces so you can wait get, you can get your you can get your nft like art like uh space i i think super rare is curated i think you're okay i saw something that a friend of mine did uh trevor andrews gucci ghost the artist mm -hmm. he uh did like these online collectible of one of his gucci ghosts and it's like the thing just like spinning around look like a gif Mm. I'm like, so, exactly. so somebody buys a GIF. Yeah, exactly. I was like, and what, yes. they just put it on a thumb drive and in their little collection and be like, yes. look at this. Yes. Or like a, I think a, it's for public and it's consumption. also, it's all, no, it's not for no. public consumption. That's the point. Really? It's yeah. Private. They, it's private. It's a private collection. But you can't see it until you buy it pretty much or until you're in that market to buy it. it. Like Even so music is going to go this way. Like people are selling songs with NFTs or and they're not making them public. So it's like, Oh dude, you should be killing that. Well, I, I'm learning about it, you know, but yeah, it's like something, it's something to consider for all artists out there. Look into the NFT thing and then give me some kickbacks. If you, <laughs> yeah, if, right. if you break big and you heard it here first, I, it. I heard it here first. <laughs> I heard it here first. At least join our Patreon. I join the Patreon. You know, at uh, least join that. Throw us. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yep. All right. Then you get a percentage. Oh, we'll figure that out when I get set up. Yeah. So, but you get a lot of good press though. Like you've gotten a lot of good articles and that's not easy to do and like get in features and stuff like that. So I, I have incredible PR. Oh, is here? Is Meg's your PR? <laughs> the beautiful Meg's. Mega PR. Uh, that's good. Well, the, the projects are, I feel like are in a, something like we work towards and and i'm all i'm just always working and we go out we meet people it's new york mm -hmm. it's what you do here and you're out on that in that moment all the time and people meet you and find out what you do mm -hmm. um for instance uh I, was it i think it was free arts where i met uh josh radner who's one of your guests yeah right. and he i had a work in there i think it was one of my live drawings actually it might have been yeah it was and it was up for auction, and uh, we met there. He liked the work, 
And they said, hey, I want to show you something. Can I, can I email you? And I was like, okay. And he emails me a script for this movie he was making called Happy Thank You More, Please. And he's like, I'm seeing your artwork as a plot point in the film. Would you be interested in that? And I said, yeah, totally. So I went and I worked with him and I worked on set. And uh, so I did all this artwork uh, for this kid uh, in the film and all these beautiful things on colored paper and stuff and we, we set it all up and yeah the art was in the film they ended up using it for a bunch of like uh poster things and offset stuff that's so it was great. a fun experience like to just have it go into that world because i never saw that coming and mm. i've always been like a, a yes guy with i love collaborating with people i'm a people person i like to be around people creating things all the time it's the best it's it's incredible it it's awesome i I love it when things like that happen, when you're like, how, how did I wind up here doing this? You know, and that's one of the things, the vehicle of that, it takes you to those places. It, it does. It really you does. Know, it's, it's this thing. I don't know. It's just. It's wild. But it, it's being here, too, as you know. And it, it's, there's an energy that on this rock of, of Manhattan that is unlike anything in the world. I've been, we've, you know, and we've all traveled and been places. I can't say I've been everywhere, but I've never had that feeling that I get here uh, when I just get to this town and I'm, I, know. I just don't have it anywhere else. What do you think it is? It's so much about the street. It's magic. It's the emotion. It's, it's a, so it's such an emotional place. Like you're connected on the level of the street with so many people and there's just, so many glances and this that and the other it's just the energy i think it's the energy of people really isn't it crazy that we like you and i could go for a walk all right and i could probably guarantee you that without even saying someone's name or whatever we'll run into someone we know and probably in common mm -hmm. that in, in where these, do you in these neighborhoods for sure where does that happen <laughs> i've not been here that long it's not like i've been here my whole life i was right. born in pennsylvania and like you know i made it here but I, I, it's not like I'm known that way either, but you'll run into someone that, you know, mm -hmm. and it's meant to be, Yeah, it really is meant to be. Yeah, it's true. It's like, you can go out and have no real plans and then, you know, end up coming home like two days later. <laughs> We've done that too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. I what think about Andy Warhol? He came from Pennsylvania and wound up in He's New a Western York. PA guy. Yeah. Is he, mm. Does he influence you at all? I think I think every kid's obsessed with Andy in the beginning. As soon as you start seeing all that pop art, that that movement that he created, it's it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. But at this point, you're like, ah, oh, another another Warhol. Like, and then even the Warhol Foundation like closed its doors. They were like, hey, listen, there are no more Warhols left to uh, to give uh, you know reference to or whatever. It's all been documented. You know, and, and yet people are still finding them under beds and things like that. Mm -hmm. So they say, you know, so it's probably the most copied artist in the world, too. Right. I, would, I would imagine that, uh, that the copies are hard to discern from the originals at this point. It'd be easy to do one probably for somebody that was focused on it. I mean, it's well, silkscreen. Yeah. And I worked with uh, Alexander Heinrichi, who did a lot of his stuff in the later years uh -huh. and it was all just hand silk screens right from his photographs yeah you know and they're using simple separations to make these big screens I by never, hand i never even thought of that but yeah he did do some paintings 
like you know we painted over things and so he does have a mark so to speak yeah. i think but i don't know how much of that he did or someone else did around him or told him right. to do or His directed it yeah. it's like jeff coons even at this point i mean he's a director He's an artist, but he's a director. I mean, he walks into his his yeah. factory, and these guys are all painting in his style, yeah. doing his work. Again, I'm going to bring up NFT, but it's it, <laughs> it goes with Coons because oh, it, he it's like it's it. artists of that stature that normally are just completely out of the realm of possibility for anyone normal. Mm -hmm. You know, now suddenly they can perhaps you know yeah mingle with the common folk. You know what I mean? Which is interesting. Yeah, I I think I was I'm thinking of of Coons because uh, we we met once and I we were just talking and I remember him saying something about I wish I could make art that was more accessible and I was like well now he can I was kind of <laughs> like how unaccessible are you do you think like it's an do you mean because it's a an interesting problem yeah yeah because he's completely you know inaccessible or you know to anyone for, for original yeah sure right in your house yeah no yeah but I say, hey if you want to give it all away you can do that too if you want to just give it to the people you can't think really access it can't, can't really do that <laughs> from a but, business standpoint but this can't. provides a, a, a way possibly i think it's cool it's a neat concept i just don't know how to it's almost like, do I have to animate work now? I have to figure out how to animate those That's paintings. What, I'm kind of thinking like that, too. Like, if, if you want to, like... Imagine your figures, like, in a conversation. Yeah, just, like, doing stuff. I've already yeah. started putting movement on them. It's made me go into different realms. Movement and, and your poetry. And like explore. conversations. Yeah, and explore, like, different ways of making art. And also, legitimizing digital art, making mm. me take that as seriously as I take everything else it's just an interesting thing and i want to ask you this like how do you re um sort of uh vitalize your style or create a new style how much is it to do with different techniques or just different states of mind i think it's about stripping things down that you've built up mm -hmm. uh using subtraction instead of addition instead of like building up onto something uh taking away from what you've already built up and then finding differences from where you built up from within the subtraction because mm. there's going to be levels that and, and it's just in my head but you're going to find levels in the subtraction that you didn't touch on when you were adding on to your work when you're building up your marks i got you You'll find things far and away that you didn't realize were there, I think. Because mm. it's just an, it's like the tide, you know, it's like, it's a, there's just an ebb and flow to, to creating all the time. And it's a, this circular thing. It's the simulation of it. We're in the simulation. We're in the, we're in a simulation right now. You know that, Definitely. Right? I, I th more and more think we are in a simulation. We just watched that documentary. <laughs> Which just one? watched it. What's it called? Um, who's it? what's it called? Glitch in the Matrix. Oh, I didn't see that. Is that on Ooh. Netflix? Uh, I think so. Oh. It might be HBO. It, I'm not sure. Not and it's about that. where they're in a simulation. It's about theories because they can't prove any of that. And yeah. and one of the one of the uh, theorists, 
these guys are all whizzes, you know, these guys are all these program guys. And they're talking about how they're finding the simulation within, you know, the work that they've either created or, and they're seeing these things of the, like the Mandela effect. I don't actually believe in the Man, or Mandela effect. Mandela. What is that? The Mandela effect. It's this idea that, you know, people believe that Nelson Mandela died in jail. Mm. He did not die in jail. I don't remember that at all. So anybody saying it to me, if I only had half knowledge of that, I'd probably agree with them. And then it would keep the forward progress of the you know, Mandela effect. But I, I think it. it's misinformation, to be totally honest. It's just it's so skewed with the um, oversaturation and desensitization of people that we're dealing with. And, and that's a big mess right now and that's where that comes from in, in my opinion i don't think that any of that stuff is true uh the they said oh the magic mirror on the wall and the one person on there is like tell me you didn't hear, hear mirror mirror on the wall i'm like i've heard that yes someone just translated it that way and didn't say magic mirror on the wall they're like it was never magic mirror but now it is and it's so like wait, so i think it always was part of the documentary this <laughs> yeah mirror, these mirror these thing. are ideas of of the glitches of uh, glitches in glitches. the matrix uh. and i think the other theory is that you're you know replaying these things but when a person that's lived on video games their whole life mm -hmm. tells you this you have to think in that like they're just assimilating things that are happening in their real life and they're seeing it happen on a video game and like, well, why can't it be like that? Well, it can't because we're a physical thing. We, we have flesh but and blood and bones. The, the point is video games will and virtual virtual reality will one day evolve to the point where it'll be indiscernible from actual reality. It's happened. So yeah. it's our, so the, the idea is that it has already happened and we're in that virtual reality and that there's and according to elon musk there's like one in billions chance that this is original reality i mean whatever i don't know but that's yeah just, i mean that's just what he, he really, said can you wrap your head around that I, I i can totally wrap my head around it i mean in in that okay if 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 virtual reality is going to evolve to the point where it's indiscernible from actual reality, mm -hmm. right? That means it already has done that, and we are living in a simulation of of the history building up to that. It's easy to wrap my head around. I, whether or not I think that's true or not, I, I have no horse in that race i don't really care yeah, no, I, don't, not, I don't know i'm not afraid of it history it's will beyond. repeat itself i mean that's the ultimate comment on that mm -hmm. but i one thing that scares the living hell out of me has got to be these like robots they're building that look like dogs and people and yeah, i'm that's like what if weird. that thing is programmed to go out and just terrorize every single person and you how are you going to defend yourself with this thing you can knock down your doors yeah, you and can't. walls and you can't do anything and it's got like you know machine guns hooked to its shoulders what are you going to do like so if the real video game stuff becomes reality we're all in a little bit of trouble so and yeah. i i'm hoping we don't get to that point there's some really awful stories too on the glitch in the matrix thing about people that have just gone too far and the one guy who murdered his parents and he was obsessed with the matrix and it's just, just really sad oh, and it's man. these things it's a form of psychosis and it, yeah. i could see it happening to a brain i mean why everything else can so 
Well, we're definitely entering into strange psychological places, Oof, like with the whole lockdown ever. and and uh, people having to deal with just confronting themselves without, you know, the typical social structures to like cushion that a little bit. I agree. I think it's scary. How have you been dealing with it? I'm fine. I get to surf. <laughs> Surfing kind of uh, it, it lets me just unlock the mind and just let it all be be at one with with the sea and you know have your dance with with mother ocean and where do you surf in brooklyn <laughs> sometimes long island yeah um when i'm here it's uh in long beach or lido it's good good beach break there where's your favorite place my favorite place would be costa rica mm-hmm. it's the water's warm the waves are perfect beautiful people um it's a country that hasn't seen war in like generations so the people are unusually kind nasara do you ever go to nasara yeah nasara is like yeah it's a cool spot that's yeah. yoga yoga central man have you been yeah yeah i've been there nice I, I, um you didn't get on a board there i mean there's like waves right there i know i didn't there but i did in todos santos mexico in baja that's huge waves there yeah normally you went out in that well at uh, yeah i have actually several different times different different beaches too um cerritos but you can find smaller ones and learn there yeah but it, it's a little spots. it's a little rough i guess it's heavy for a there. beginner. Yeah. yeah it's heavy but uh i loved it but i i just now started to be able to get up like you know okay what I mean? i was i'm just a beginner you get aboard yet no, but I, I would love to just really go into surfing and learn it. I, surfing is the most, uh, this is so cliche, as I heard these surfers say this a thousand times, but it really is the ultimate metaphor for life and learning for me. I mean, you can really assimilate. That's, you want to talk about a simulation, like mm-hmm. use surfing as that metaphor and, and to get better at what you're doing because you're constantly... Uh, just pushed into trying to uh, stay in the right spot on a wave and, and, you know, dodge things so subtly and, and it takes a lifetime because every wave is different. You never get two of the same waves unless you're at like, you know, Kelly's surf ranch. And in which case, if you don't have the experience of riding the absolute perfect wave, you won't be able to. So it takes, you know, you have to grow to that. Like seeing a perfect wave isn't going to be your perfect experience. It's actually going to be harder than that. So you want to learn on a little bit more. That's like life too. Like if everything's perfect, that's almost the most You want to learn. Yeah, you want to learn how to smooth out imperfections. It's funny like when life is really challenging, in a weird way there's some kind of comfort because you you get to the heat of the heat of the matter within yourself it, it it drives you straight to your like to the big soul questions and then that's where you kind of have to exist in order to deal with the difficulty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's that scream and leap moment so to speak yeah, you know, so those how long have you been surfing i think since i was about i guess around six to eight years old i started i was boogie boarding you know it was uh-huh. like a sponge where did you grow? I, oh, in Pennsylvania. In, in like, South Jersey, my my family would 
we would rent a home in Ocean City every okay. summer for three months since I was born. Okay. So what I remember of surfing the first time I ever tried to get up on a board and that feeling was on a boogie board yeah. that I had. And I was so small and light that, that I could stand on a too. boogie board. And that was fun. Yeah. They are fun. Yeah, they so are I was fun. a sponger for a long time. And then when I got up on it and I was like, oh, you can stand. Look at these guys surfing. This is incredible. It just... It blew me away. Mm-hmm. And back then, you couldn't get a lesson. Like now, it's like you go to any beach, you get a surf lesson. You get, you know, it's so easy. You, we, we endured beatdowns, like, you know, as coming up in, in our scene in South Jersey, for sure. It was a big local scene. Even a little gang called Lono Tribe that, you know, would whoop your ass if you got on that beach the wrong way or you got with one of them got tangled up with one of them out in the water. It's just, it's just part of the, now you don't have surfing that. Surfing gangs? There was everywhere. I mean, I feel like localism is a thing in any, any town. California is pretty good, heavy locals. Hawaii is probably the heaviest. Yeah. It's Howl- their land. The it's, ha- Howley it's thing. their culture. They call you a Howley. Yeah. Howley. So what's to stop you from getting an RV and just like living on a beach and surfing all the time? <laughs> is that what you, like, Right? I, I mean... She's dying for that. I want to do that, too. I know. I know. I see all these guys... The only the, thing is the painting thing. Yeah. Like, it, but if you transitioned into the digital realm... We, before you we got me, to... I'm yeah. Like, there was like... Take all your art with you. Is there an yeah. NFT tour bus yeah. we could rent? Uh, we, we toured around. Before we got to Brooklyn, uh, we toured around. I had a VW van again, and we would follow shows and festivals and i would do these drawings with with bands and venues all over mostly on the east coast so we lived a little bit of that um and surfing everywhere we could in between but now i mean it's a whole it's a whole different ball game because now you have these these killer like camper truck things i see all the time that they're are, amazing ah it's, but my, they, they also yeah. cost the same as like a house a mm-hmm. lot of the time so my buddy chris you, has one he goes out west so like, he's out there already Oh yeah, what kind? It's like a Mercedes one or something. Oh, right, a Sprinter. Yeah, so, so tall. Do you ever get like when you're out there surfing? Do you ever get inspirations for paintings, or is that just a whole other realm? Yeah, totally. I feel like that's that's kind of where the energy centers for me, and it kind of, it builds up there, and just the activity of it is what gives me you know a lot. How do I explain that? Well, it's, it's in your work. To, There's an oceanic quality to a lot of what there? you do. I think so. Uh, I love that. That's extra, Joe. What? That's extra. <laughs> he didn't mean it. That's extra. Uh, it's in there. Uh, <laughs> um, it's like the rhino. Yeah. yeah the rhino. Yeah, That's bonus. <laughs> bonus. Extra value in all his work. <laughs> NFT value. Um, yeah, and it, it definitely, there's a flow there for, for me. And I, I, I've rarely ever put, I think the ocean and it's like doing a portrait of the ocean right like a beachscape or something like that um but i think we take from everything we experience the most of and that's the best part i mean that's where art is limitless in that regard you all there's never shortage of subject matter i don't know how anybody could go for a block is or have one based on the fact that you can already draw or paint if you can move a brush around anything in front of you is fair game and can turn into a you know, beauty. Do you usually capture things outside of you or do you usually like just capture things from within? 
I think I, it's a combination. I feel like I'm more like infusing the figure or the objects like with an idea that I think is happening with that object or person, a conversation they may or may not be having. Mm. And I'm trying to create that. And then trying to make it far enough away from the audience that it's an adventure and experience and an experience for them. So it's not just like, Oh yeah, it's a guy walking a dog and that's my, it's so beautiful though. Look at the color. Look at this. Okay. But what, what else, you know, what else? So it made people kind of uh, in, like look through the, just the, the surface more into a six dimensional range instead of just a three dimensional range of like, what do you mean? Six dimensional range? Like through a surface. So a simple way to, to put it is like if I was drawing your portrait here and all of a sudden it was like I'm going to layer over the, the, you know, chord marks here that are going through and it's going to come you. out and it could come out of your head at the like, top. Like that Jimi Hendrix poster. Right. Like you the know Jimi Hendrix poster. <laughs> so you're, you're just adding like layers and layers and you. just yeah. maybe make people think like, a little yeah, more. Yeah, putting, putting two different three-dimensional spaces on top of each other. Yeah, it's fun. You. Like yeah. superimposing. Yeah. And photographer's Yeah, sense. layering. It's all layering. How, how often do you make something where you like, like how do you know when to stop? That's the best question. <laughs> How do you know when to stop? It's tough. That's I what I'm trying first. to figure out. What what uh, what what you would that's say? Why the live? You know, good. lately, uh, lately, but that's a done deal. We know yeah. that. But like in the studio, like how do you know? Like I, it's like to me lately, it's been like when I make a mark and it doesn't make it better, I then take that as a real sign. Like when I when all of a sudden it subtracted something, it subtracted space that was doing more than what the line was doing um and threw off the whole composition then i'll like pause and stop and sometimes that'll be that'll be done but then all is that all you see when you look at the painting that no one line no, that, no no like i either cover it up or i or it's not as bad it just gave me the sign that it right. said like a feeling it gave me a feeling to stop yeah you, you put like you'll have like if i have what i feel is like two i I don't know. I could get to a point where I almost feel like I'm too busy with something. Like mm -hmm. it's all too busy. This yeah. composition, I can't. And then, uh, I'll pick a color that's completely offset to what I've been working with and I'll block an area. I'll just put it down right over top of an area and not use any of the marks underneath it and then see if it creates something around it. Uh -huh. Nine times out of 10, it does. And right. then you got another thing to work with, but then I'll start to think, uh, maybe I'm getting towards the end here because if you just keep going with that, I mean, yeah. you can make you paintings and paintings and paintings and all of a sudden of other, yeah. you still only have one painting right. <laughs> at the end of the day. It's so true. Like you should have seen this two days ago. I know. Like, <laughs> it looked like this. I took a picture and people are like, you yeah. should have left it like that. So. You used to do oh, that. Oh dude, I hate that when I take a picture of something and then I overpaint <laughs> and then I have the evidence of it being good. <laughs> that that sucks. You well, then you show it to that. somebody it drove me too. Crazy. And you would paint something, yeah. and then you'd start going over it. I was right. like, ah. Oh. <laughs> That's fun, though. It is. 
<laughs> and the energy of what's underneath does kind of creep through. I it think. is fun though. That's yeah. the thing. It does. Dude. You feel it. Yeah. You know it's there. You can feel it in your gut. And you're like, like what do you think of like Cy Twombly? Oh, I like Cy Twombly work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like so successfully minimal. Mm -hmm. Like it's like minimalism is great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm into it. You know, who's like, a master of it. Who? Dega. Oh, okay. I don't well, know. Really... Some Dega drawings. You'll be like, Oh, like right. just Interesting. like, yeah, there's, there's some incredible stuff. Dega. Yeah. Dega. He did like figures though too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. No, mostly figurative. Yeah. Right. Uh, dancers and but like real minimal pencil sketches or whatever like, like just the like, gesture yeah. of it was like everything yeah. everything it's all there and nothing and if any of us could get to that point we are we are living the dream <laughs> others would argue I mean, you could you know i don't know okay back to to when you know work's done i avoided it sorry you know, I have to step away from, from work for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I just like will walk around it and walk around it. And she's watched me just sit in the chair and like stare at them and staring through them and around them. And I might get up and go. <clears throat> and then not nothing. And then mm -hmm. I might be like, I might not think it's 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 finished and. The next day I'll go, it's done. Right. And when I say it's done, that's it. I put it away. It's, it's put in the archive. I'll name it. I'll literally name it and sign it just so that I know not to work into it anymore. And how do you name it? So I, I write word association of barely audible things onto a note. And it's sometimes it's while I'm working. I'll, if I see something that uh, reflects maybe some words or uh, just a maybe a haiku or I don't know, I'll write it down while I'm painting and I'll put it on a little piece of paper or whatever. And then I just put it into my notes, 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 notes. And I'll use it for, I'll use these word associations for naming three to five works at a time after the fact. So maybe a month or so later, I'll come back to it, but it won't be about the same work anymore. It'll, I'll mix the words up. And essentially, I'm just trying to uh, divert any viewer from reading an experience into the, the painting. Because ultimately, I believe that the name or title of the work is completely irrelevant to the work. Unless, of course, it's, you know, like me painting you today is going to be Joseph Arthur. That's one thing. That's a portrait. But if it's one of the paintings and it's like, like the last one I just did, um, player one runaway. Um, it's a, it's a long name. See, I don't even remember them, but this is like, I put them all together and I just tag them and then that's it. And the, that's, that's the work. And I keep it as even, I can't assimilate like how it would go together. Amazingly. I have a friend who's, uh, who's, on the spectrum a bit, brilliant songwriter and, and artist himself, and it's a really special, unique person. And he's managed to find like these, these arteries in the work that m go with my wording and how I did it and what he sees. And it's so interesting. 
because he's like found a way. It's like, oh my God, there really is a way. And what you're describing is legitimately a way to see this trail, you know, somehow. And I thought, just how interesting. And if that's what people's minds do, well, that's the, that's the life that you're leading is, is finding a way through that, through art. It's brilliant. I thought that was beautiful. Um, I don't get that very often that anybody even comes to, close to that. They just go, huh, weird name, but I like the painting. You know, it's just. He finds the purpose of the name. He does. He does. Yeah. He's well, also words like Words are powerful. I mean. They are. You know, and yeah. it's like they, they, I think they are like used by the subconscious space or the spirit world or whatever to communicate with us all the time. You know, and even like, especially like an artist making work and then naming it something could seem completely random to the artist or, you know, not, not seem to hold much weight, but in the end it, maybe it does. And that's what you're talking about with your friend discovering it. He, he's, he's interesting. And, um, and he'd be mad probably if I said his name, especially since you called him on the spectrum. Yeah, but he's, he's, yeah, but he, I don't mean that in a negative way because I really do, I do, uh, it's like respect. I think we're all on the spectrum to yeah, some I degree. Yeah, I think so too, I, I, but I, I, it's like respect and envy at the same time because these people can, they, they have no, they don't react to like how other people think of them. And mm. that's what I find the most incredibly endearing. And he's one of them and he's a, he's translated all these puzzles I'll never forget um, him solving a, a puzzle book by David Blaine. And it was like, you did what? And <laughs> Blaine like denounced him and was like, this guy's a lunatic and there's no way the puzzle's unsolvable. That's how it was made. I'm like, this looks pretty goddamn interesting. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Like he found it. And he said to me, he's like, I did it to prove that David Blaine isn't God. And I was like, that's deep. That's heavy. Wait, I got to pee and then let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you a question in the time being. Um, <clears throat> when, so when you said you went on like tour with the, and saw shows and painted and, and drew s since the drawing uh, the sketching or the portrait of the artist during the show since that's your thing as a photographer it shows or whatever a videographer when I ever it's hard for me to go to a show and enjoy it unless I'm actually behind the camera doing my thing because that's how I connect with the music now which is completely changed for me mm -hmm. so do you go to shows and you're like, fuck, if I could only be sketching this now and you just don't enjoy the show anymore. And is the only way for you to enjoy the show is to be on the side of stage and actually do your thing and connect with the music. I feel a lot of people don't understand that or spouses get upset like, oh, just watch the show with me and don't do your stupid drawings. Or, or how is it for you? Did I ruin it for you. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more on that. That it's you want to do your thing at the shows. Like you you have to. You have to. And you just don't enjoy the music anymore. Otherwise, I'm gonna sound like a total spoiled wreck right now and saying right. that like I won't even go to shows unless I'm <laughs> allowed and invited or have asked permission to do such a thing. Um, I'm not just going to a show to hang out. All right. That said, I have 
for one reason or another, um, the live thing didn't work out or, you know, it was just something that like they couldn't put together in time. And I think if that ever, it's happened only a couple of times where like people were like, Hey, we want to do this with you, but this show's so crazy that we don't know where we're going to put you. And I think they just overthink it on a logistics scale. And I'm like, I'm really easy, truly. Like you don't even know I'm there. Just put me on the balcony. Yeah. Just put me in the easiest spot. I mean, I don't even need an area. I just need where you put one head. I'm going to be your guest anyway. Just let me in with my stuff. Right. And so, yeah. So, but I, I, it's, and that, you know, okay, funny story. Uh, it sounds for, terrible if somebody just hears you, oh, you're, what, you won't go if you're not on, allowed to take photos or be on the list, but it just, it changes everything. Yeah. Well, um, Nylon Mag, tell this story. Yeah. So Nylon Mag wanted to do a feature on me and did the feature about the paintings and the slide drawing. They said, so of all the people that you want to paint with, who would be your, like, top of your list still? And I said, uh, Marcy. Right. And they go, (laughs) they go, we're going to make it happen. I was like, before you enter into this zone, (laughs) I was like, know that um, it's very difficult for a third party to negotiate this because they don't know what you're asking ever that you want to paint their band. They think you're going to be some kind of circus act. They don't want anything to do with redirecting. Yeah. You know that one? That guy, Rolf Harris? No, is he? He's, he He's an English live painter. But he does like this is upside down, uh, you know, Jim Morrison or something, and then flips it around. At one of those, I, I, or I don't, think, I don't think that's that guy. <laughs> but yeah, I have seen that. Um, anyway, so what happened with Nylon? So I, I, they, magically, they say, oh, it's, it's on. Really, you're approved. We're gonna do it at, at Carnegie Hall, and I was like, amazing. I was like, this, I can't believe it's happening. So we went, and they go, you're gonna be in the front row. It's uh, Morrissey has approved it and his management so you're it's a go we're going to send you our editor's going to meet you and and you're just going to they're going to just watch you and then we'll do an interview after great i get there and this guy at security at the front of the door he's like oh hey uh, what's that i said just a it's a i had a 22 by 30 just bored at that point just to do the drawing on and he goes you have to go downstairs and and check in i was like downstairs and tell what's what's that (laughs) and like and the editor's like what are you talking about so we're, we're redirected to not go into the ballroom and we're going down these stairs. We're in the basement going through tunnels. I'm like, this isn't good. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's backstage. I'm a positive guy. Like, just think positive. So we get to this room. There's these three women in a control, like at a control board in a closed room. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm painting, the, I'm painting live for Morrissey. It was, it's approved. They're like, it's not approved with Carnegie Hall, so you're not doing it tonight. Uh, and I was like, yeah, they're stiff. With and I that said, kind of stuff. well, the first thing I said was, well, I'm in the front row. <laughs> the first thing I said was, you're going to block somebody's view. So we can't have that. I said, I'm in the front row. Like, well, we can't have, was it charcoal? Yeah. If that gets on the carpet, I'm like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> you should have snuck it in. Man. And I think just in that moment between the text going to Marcy's manager, this guy with red hair was Marcy's manager back. This crazy dude comes around. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? I, 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 Hello, this is mate. Morrissey said. He's approved. Oh, okay, <laughs> so, so sorry. So sorry. So um, that Tell happened. Tell me there's a happy ending that eventually you did it. It's coming. Okay, good. Thanks, God. So, uh, <laughs> so it didn't happen. And, and this guy cursed these women out. The C word. The whole deal. 
And it was embarrassing. And I said, well, I'm saying in my head now, it's never going to happen. Not tonight. Anyway. And he's like, Morris, he's playing this casino the next couple of nights. You come there. And I'm like, Atlantic City. I said, yeah, it was like some New York, uh, an Indian casino. And, and I, I said, you know, I I'm not going to leave the city, but thank you. I said, let's just stay in touch and we'll do it when he's back in New York again. He said, great. Well, he no longer was the manager after about... How could you not travel to see him at the casino and just do it? I don't know, man. What's wrong with you? New York's <laughs> like a, a girlfriend. You know, you, like, all the, the venues have to be in the city. It was like this whole... The one artist the dogma says, yes, again. you the, travel to go do it. The dogma. Until a, like a, a who goes everywhere. I, if back. Morrissey said, yes, you can come film me, I would, I would drive to Los Angeles and I know. do it. It doesn't matter. It, was, it, was, it wasn't... Looking back... It, it wasn't the right move, but, right. but, uh, cut to, oh, I'll get eight years later. Wow. Um, Debbie Harry Blondie was performing at MSG for her first ever MSG show. And we are, we're friends that I did a live show with her in Atlantic city. And I, I mentioned to her that uh for her you go to atlantic city well i was right. there See? i was in wait for a minute, Morrissey, wait a minute. God forbid. there was a there's a you go to a mohegan sun casino <laughs> in connecticut i'm trying it. to help atlantic city so um or was he at foxwoods uh yeah so i was actually in south jersey at the time and it was 10 minutes away and i said this is just an opportunity i have to go and so debbie set it all up and we ended up talking about it and and i said yeah i'm just she's like well did anything ever happen where you weren't able to do it? And I was like, would be Morrissey. Well, this is funny. The first thing she does is introduce me to Chris when I was back, when I, before the show. And she said, hey, Chris, this is Todd. He's going to draw. He's going to draw live tonight on the side of the stage. He just looks over at me and goes, good luck. And just like walks away. <laughs> She's like, oh, Chris. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was funny. And then we talked about having not been able to do a show. And I mentioned Morrissey. And then cut to uh, Madison Square Garden. She reached out and said, didn't you uh, say you wanted to always do a show with Morrissey? And if you'd like, I can set you up with a pass so that you can paint him and me at MSG this week. And I'm like, so it finally happened. Nice. There is a happy ending. There is a happy ending. So I, I got and to he do. he was a guest or he did a full set? Was he did a full set. He you? was headline. I actually painted at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> I, Son of a bitch. I did um because there was this uh and it was touch and go it, there was this for this you know how um they do the michael dorf and shlomo do those you know big tribute shows oh yeah, City yeah. so it was yep. like one for the talking head or no for david byrne and i did this must be the place and painted live while i was doing it but right before they were like oh no you can't do that it's like forty thousand dollars if you want to do that like the, <laughs> with the union they made and then we were just like okay we're not going to do Put it your stress and then, level way through your head you're like ah. i didn't really care i'd be like okay yeah. then i'll just like get to perform it's fine and then actually it was more stress when they said oh actually you can do it and shlomo held the painting and I'm like just doing that <laughs> painting like that, but I, I ended up doing a painting. At Wait, Carnegie. you painted and sang? Yeah, that's, at the same that's time. That's the way I do the live paintings. I paint and sing. You're yeah. blowing me away right now. Like, because this is I like incredible. set up a loop or something so I can just yeah. have the music going on a loop, and then I just that like then I just he did live paint right there. paint and sing. Here in Jeez. this room, he sang two songs and did that in like one. 
man, why aren't I doing that? Why don't I paint you doing that? Okay. I mean, not today. But. <laughs> right now. Let's go set up. Where's your instrument? Well, uh, listen, I'll definitely loop you in the next time he actually plays a show where he paints. Uh, that's, uh, that's oh, I'm, listen, well, I'm still down the, to do a portrait uh, today. That's going to happen. Have you gone to the new city winery? No, haven't been. It's really nice. And I think for what you're doing, too, it'll be great for you because the sight lines are amazing. It's kind of like a more open Bowery ballroom sort of setup in terms of like there's the balconies that go all the way around. You know, where is that located? Have we been there? Pier it's, 57. It's now. right on the no, west, oh. west side highway. But it's funny that you mentioned that because they had a woman at almost yeah. every city winery show who sat there with a little sketchbook and watercolors and used to do what you did just on a different yeah. level. Interesting. And just gave it to the either to the artist or the winery after she just uh, so they always hooked her up with a stool with a high high table nice and she would just do it i like that um but for you to do it at the new city winery when they eventually open could easily be arranged yeah you should come through i got an art you show do something? i got an art show there right now oh love, is there just one up right now yeah paintings paintings nice large stuff large stuff yeah. live stuff we're all different. Some, but mostly, mostly not. Do you separate it? I did this thing last year, actually a year ago this week, where I was living at this museum called Photografiska over on Park Avenue. Cool. It's the new photo museum. And I made a bunch of big scale paintings. And so most of those are up over at what City was it Winery. Called? That was a name to it. Inhabiting. Inhabitant. Beautiful. So you did a residency. I lived there. They they got me a bed and I like and people would be walking through and I would just be like like in the big front window. Laying on my mattress. Basically, it was one of those weird things. Sixth floor. (laughs) It was funny. It was a year ago now. So it was like right before the pandemic was about to hit. But like, has that changed your mode of working at all? The pandemic or have like or changed your thoughts and feelings about what you're pursuing or anything of that state. I feel like it's it's enhanced it. What a a time to be alive, man. I mean, couldn't get more like alive. Just, yeah. I mean, just so much stuff coming at you. And, uh, for artists right now, it's just free ammo. I mean, it really is just grab anything, walk out, just listen to five minutes of anybody spouting off. And you're like, I could make 10 paintings out of that. Right. You know, just, uh, just incredible it's a gift I, I consider this whole time a gift so has it all been positive though or have you had like because for me i've had periods of really good focus and sort of reawakening and i've also had periods of kind of drifting and just being like a little lost so it's been both yeah it, definitely periods of being lost because we can't i don't get back to that rhythm that i had right you know of of there was a flow to it and i realized then i was probably more habitual than I thought, you know, with, with how I worked and how I was, um, moving around every day, what I did on a day to day changed completely. Mm. And, and, and then it just, it was better because it was different. It made me feel different. It made me look at the work differently. Um, it moved me around to different locations. And while the live shows stopped, uh, haven't felt and like this urge to be painting, at live shows or doing the live drawings mm. at all. I'm, I'm sad for all my 
musician friends, I see that struggle just start to happen. And I'm like, fuck. And I think in the beginning, everyone's like, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Come right back. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And it's like, it's not all right. Cause a lot of these guys, and like yourself, where it's like, it's a hand to mouth thing, mm-hmm. you know, especially with music, Christ. And it's hard enough to get a gig with all the pop smear out there. And just like, it's, it's impossible. So it's, um, I like what people are doing though. These little, uh, online shows that they edit themselves mm-hmm. and do like cool stuff. I saw like parkhead courts did one at like Dustin Yellen's pioneer works. Mm. And that was pretty cool. And they kind of put an edit together of like footage from like the year before. And, and, but most of it was live there. Like they were just doing like a live show with like different POVs and talking about music. Yeah. Music. Okay. But at Dustin Yellen's, is that his name? Yeah, Pioneer Works. Pioneer Have you Works, ever been yeah. there? Yeah, uh, Red Hook. I mean, I used to live right down the street oh, okay. from there. I lived on Union and Van Brunt. So, forever. you know, they just kind of cleared the room because I'd imagine that during this time they haven't had any residencies or anything like that. Right. Because you know? usually it's full of artists, it's an art residency spot, like a colony, yeah. in, a colony in a, you know, in a building. So to speak, there's still a way for artists to be active musicians and whatnot with all the live streaming. There's a lot of people, including Joe and me and Jesse Mallon, were set up for live streaming, doing it the right way, high quality and trying to stay active and still still be relevant and put stuff out there. Yeah. And you have to. I mean, how else are you going to. Well, you could give up and stay home. You know, there's no giving up can't do that that's not even an option i don't think for any artist that's really an option oh yes it is for some we've we've seen it but um that's a brutal existence it's a brutal existence the one after you've given up i mean that sounds like a nightmare yeah but to keep going forward to keep pushing forward is definitely a challenge what do you do to keep your sort of like yourself optimistic and and moving forward Jokes. (laughs) Jokes. <laughs> Tell Funny. us one. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> um, I have a friend always said, "Jokes, man, jokes." It's Humor's humor. Yeah, so yeah. even th- the most sarcastic shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we we all can be so sarcastic. A lot of it's ribbing. You know, I guess from where I'm from, it was we all like my friends and I would just rib on each other constantly i mean the nicknames the this the that and like you know the snide texts and whatever that go back and forth we just have fun with it it makes me laugh and if you can laugh through this and if you can also put humor in the work that's that's really important so i think without a sense of humor how can you even respect humanity you really have to understand humor yeah in some way you know you have to be able to laugh and Especially not take yourself. yourself too seriously. No, you have to laugh at yourself first. You're the funniest part of your own, like, spiel. I mean, like, we, yeah. if I, when I step outside myself, I look at, like, even, like, just whatever, whatever, how I dress or how I look, and I'm like, God, you're so fucking ridiculous, dude. Who are you? <laughs> like, you know, and I laugh, and it's funny, but that's okay. Like, why, why can't you have fun like that? Yeah. Well, you absolutely can, and you should, and you must. Yeah. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for love. First and foremost, that I mean, I get to share all my time with this one, and like, it's incredible. So, and that's a long time thing. 
How long have you guys been together? Oh, how many years now? 20? 27? 27? 27 years. Moly. That's amazing. <laughs> Mazel tov. Mazel tov. <laughs> so married, uh, but made the dream married come 20 true. years. Yeah, together 27 wow. years. Yeah. Where'd you meet? We met on the beach when we were kids. Wow. Uh, in, o- in Ocean, Ocean City, City, New Jersey. Yeah, down south. That's um, incredible. You know, we, we went to different schools. I had, she had boyfriends. I had girlfriends. We were always good friends. Uh-huh. But we were always that friend to either her boyfriend or my girlfriends that was like, yeah, you know, and you talk to, to Megan a lot and you should really not talk to her as much and we should focus. I'm like, well, you know, if you can't understand why we're friends, then I guess this relationship's over. So it would be the 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 thing that ended a lot of relationships with, with girls for me because we were so tight. And then it was just like, what are we doing? Like, why? It's either you know? her or me. Yeah, it's a, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's the cliche. That's the cliche, right? Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm grateful. I think love is, is so important. If it's not the most important thing uh, in life to have and experience and to believe in. You yeah. Know? I've been working on gratitude lately. Well, in that app I was telling you about, clubhouse there's one room that's like the gratitude room and people just like share what they're grateful for and like just listening to that for like an hour today just as like and then also sharing it's almost like this like you know like this sort of 12-step meeting but it's not necessarily about like anything negative or an addiction you know they're like the the great thing about 12-step was just that feeling of community Mm-hmm. and like expressing yourself it like it's really therapeutic it just makes you know you're not alone you know but then just also like focusing on oh let me try to be grateful and just like work on gratitude it helps is what are you most thankful for i'm thankful for like a lot of things i mean i'm thankful that i'm that i'm in a space where i feel like um you know, optimistic about working towards healing and, and improve, like improving and stuff like that. You know, I'm grateful for progress and abundance and friendship, you know, grateful to be able to do this, you know, just, it's like noticing the things that you have that are, it's easy to take for granted, you know, grateful to be able to paint and still be charged by that and still, have that feeling of like not knowing what's next, but excited that I can build something new that is exciting to me and somebody else, hopefully. Simple pleasures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, whenever you hear about, I mean, nowadays when you hear about somebody's like really complex situation or problem, don't you suddenly feel like you it's like sliding off of you you're like whoa how what like you know like you can hear them and listen to them like with a really good ear as well like a much better ear than in the past like you'd have been like so involved yeah you'd have been so locked in it let me solve this and for now you. you can just kind of like give them some like positive like you yeah. can really shine a light like on them and let them like kind of have that yeah. thing that's something i've noticed about uh you know i guess this time as well 
Right, like what just your own individualities comes more into focus or something like that. Yeah, I think the people are just they're more they're becoming more open in in this thing. That's true. Like the they're becoming because because you get pushed up against like what's life all about and then you have to sort of explore you know it, it's it's actually an elevated place to be when you're sort of pushed to the brink and i think maybe what the agenda thought would happen didn't and that people are resilient motherfuckers and no matter what you try to put them up against you're not going to win like in a control way, not in a world that already understands what being free is or having the freedom to create or do what you do is. Do you think there's an agenda to control us? I think there's probably substrates of many of, of them that kind of all intersect with each other in some way, shape or form. They work in concert. And working, con- they're a concert. Uh, they're a concert of yeah. a concert of there's conspiracies. All, yeah, there's a woodwind section. There's a horde section. There's all kinds of agenda sections. So what are you? What do you got? Go. What's the future then? Like, what are you working towards? Like a show or anything like this, or what, what, just like working in general? I, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's working in general for the most part, and I have uh, a wonderful relationship with UTA Artist Space and. In Los Angeles, in Beverly what's, Hills, what's exactly. That all about? I love it out there. I do too, for, especially for exhibiting the work. It feels like I finally have an outlet there, which is is nice. Is this a, a gallery? It is nice. And they are an agency. I mean, you've heard of UTA, I'm sure, United Talent Agency, with mm-hmm. musicians and actors and and the like. Where they have um, branched off with a fine arts division, where they are representing a stable of artists. So you got good rep. So I got a, a rep, and, and the first thing I did with them was that uh, I was kind of courted with them over the last two years uh, um, with a real incredible curator named Arthur Lewis. And they had uh, kind of put me in a show that was here at the Hole called the Meet Me in the Bathroom show. It was uh, Lizzie Goodman's book. Yeah, about, about the 2000s. Yeah, about our era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about the thing we lived through. Right. And uh, I wasn't in the show at first, and then the curator was part of UTA, and they had got together and said, "Aren't didn't you do these live paintings? Wasn't that didn't you work with these bands?" And I was like, "I did." And I said, "And they said, well, you just we're gonna run it by Lizzie." And she was like, "Of course." And I remember Lizzie was like a writer forever. I remember reading her stuff like online. Mm-hmm. And anyway, uh, the show was a, was a big success. I thought that was a cool show. That's great, man. And that from, was out in Beverly Hills? That was here in New York. Oh, okay. At Bowery. Oh, right on. Yeah, I went through L.A. and got placed in a show in my backyard. That's funny. <laughs> so, what's that? Which then led to... Which led to uh, the Emergency on Planet Earth show, which just uh, which came down a month ago, which went up during the pandemic, which was the whole point of the show. And um, had some great people in there and where was that show at their space they have a um, artist space in beverly hills that okay. i way way actually designed it's a really beautiful gallery it's like a group show we did we did a group show did yeah. people come or they could, did could they come they could people could but it was all appointment only uh-huh. but it was tough and they were they were just out of barely out of the first lockdown and unbeknownst heading towards the next 
And then by the end of the show, they were locked down again and the gallery stayed closed uh, for a couple of weeks. And then they had, they were supposed to have another show go up and it went up late and it's been a disaster for them physically to have exhibitions. And they're really trying hard and they've fought the system on that and they're doing their best um, with the capricious jurisdictions being uh, enforced. But I think uh, they'll be fine in the end. So now we're doing, uh, I'm doing an online show with them next. It's actually physical because the work will be in LA. They're going to have it there for like collectors to see, but it'll be up on their gallery online and that's where they'll promote it. So we'll and do it. once you're doing that, look, look at, you're going to get into the NFT scene <laughs> and you're going to blow their minds <laughs> with this. The like, NFT oh division. man, check out my new shit. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about moves. that. We're going to talk about that. I think it's because I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I'm like from the fifties. I feel like I'm the mark maker from the fifties. That's what I feel like every time I paint, but I like that thing. But the, the idea that I could like do this digitally or somebody could make a, like something move like that. I've just not seen it happen. And I'm like, Nope, can't happen. There's no way. I don't know. So I'm like, so anti technology in that regard i feel like and maybe that's why i haven't really uh tuned into it like i but yeah but it's like it's just i look at it like this it's an exciting new medium and it's like you know everything that you've done and and worked towards can then be in you know you can use to inform what you do in that medium and that and it's exciting to be able to have the beginner to have the beginner's mind sort of foisted on you, you know, yeah. like it's like, it's, yes. it's, it's hard to achieve the beginner's mind, especially when you get up, you know, when you've been doing it as long as like we have. So it's, so I look at it as an opportunity in that way of it, just it, kind of like, re, you're a hundred percent on that. Yeah. Re-engaging that sort of youthful spirit. The, the downside to it to me is how much more uh, time do I have to stare at a fucking screen? You know, like that's, it's already too much. Like it, you know, the, yeah. between the phone and the laptop and the, sometimes you go, you know, you're spiraling into it. And I'm like, can I just like, I'm going to go paint for six hours. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Turn the phone off. And yeah. remember when they came out though, you're so excited and you just, oh God, I'm talking to this person. I'm doing this. I'm over here. I'm on this. Now you're like, fuck this thing. Like, or at right. least I am. I, I've gotten like full circle with it yeah well we are you know we're part phone it's weird part phone. we are man it's like if you lose your phone that weird feeling of panic like oh my god yeah it's like it's like, I, you know, it's, it's like you walked outside without your shoes on and yeah. you're you're now like three states away you know and like you didn't know it happened so fast yeah man it's funny. true I, it's it, that's a true thing don't forget to plug your upcoming collaboration with the glasses also. That's oh, right. Up. That I'm wearing. Right. Uh, yeah, I have this uh, fun collab where uh, Caddis Eyewear uh, developed, like, with a work of art of mine to uh, package and market for. And they let me design a pair of glasses. And these are it. It's like a rosy colored lens, which is how I like to see oh, the see. world. And... Uh, and oh, these are nice thanks <laughs> i got to uh oh, cool. do that yeah. so they're not for it's not it's not prescription i want some it can be it can be these, yeah these ones aren't though those are, those are zeros yeah i need some of these 
I know. I do wear a reader, so I do wear a one. This is a good look. Yeah. Yeah, it you is. Look, you look uh, intelligent is. over there, Bobby. I got a pair for you. You do? Of course I do. I would love that. Yeah. Do you Are wear... Are like zeros like this? Do like, you want zeros? Or I want like exactly like this, where it's zeros and just like where the lens is like I can look through. Because these kind of glasses... You can wear it all hours. That's and, what and that's what I wanted. I the, wanted a the night. The key to wearing night sunglasses at night is to be able to see your eyes. If you can see the eyes, it's it looks legit. If you if you <laughs> it looks legit. It, it does, I man. Agree. This is to, what I went for. If you try to rock these at night, you're a goofball. Yeah, who are you? <laughs> Who's this guy? Right, like, who are you? Right, a goofball. I got I got a pair for you. Really? And I have a pair for you. Thank That's you. amazing, yeah. dude. Thank so, you so much. If you like, and and you might be. I don't and know they're if available February twenty. They drop February twenty third. Twenty third. Twenty third. A week after this podcast comes out. All right. Oh, the art, the art, the title of the artwork, which has been incorporated into everything. Is, Are they here right now? The glasses. Yeah. Holy shit. Is uh, Opportunity Land Post Sonic Ancestors. Wow. Show it to that camera. It's going to be my new favorite. <laughs> oh, they're exact. Dude, this is exciting. Now. The packaging. So the Welcome packaging is the your art. So and then beautiful. my quotes on the bottom. Holy shit. This is my new look, by the way. Oh, wait. These are prescriptions. Those are one. So uh, that's like for read the quote on the bottom, right? So how does that look to you when you read it? The quote? Yeah. It looks fine. So, so and then look one, at your Bobby. look at but your look at your screen. But I can't wear these like, like no, because you can't. I can't either. I'm not. Do you have any zeros? I will just... for you. I'll get you a pair. Ah, <laughs> uh, I have those. What for does you. it mean? They're ones. It's just prescription. It's one? a plus one, yeah. like uh, typical reader. If you look at a a power, it's a power. Yeah, it's your magnification. Oh, so look yeah. at your screen. Yeah, they look, look good at, on you too, dude. Yeah, but I see Todd blurred, but this looks fine. Exactly. This looks amazing. Right. Yeah. Maybe I. Yeah. And it's, it's the just, blue light wait, blocking, so, so it blocks oh, really? the radiation into your Is eyeballs from like these when damn you're screens. On a laptop and stuff. They're like all for that. that. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So they're great for that. Yeah. They make your eyes feel like you know constantly relieved. How'd you get hooked up with these guys? Um, I met them through my friend Taylor. Steele, who's a filmmaker, mm -hmm. and he was doing a uh, box job? creative for them, and introduced me to the to the crew, mm -hmm. and we've just kind of always stayed in touch. And I try at the time I didn't need readers. I was like, that's cool, man. I don't wear glasses, you know. It was like that. And then it like as soon as I put on a one, I was like, oh shit, I need glasses. Like mm -hmm. I put the one on and I looked at my screen and read a text, and I was like, wow, how much easier that was that to read <laughs> with with these on? And I was like, well, maybe I am a one just to like go on my computer with right so that's what i use it for do you use the one to go on your computer and stuff i do oh okay so you don't mm -hmm. use those those are just the out and abouts yeah those are his podcast glasses these are podcast sure. glasses hmm. yeah i like the quote draw from the unique lens in the present did i read that correctly draw yeah. from a unique lens in the present todd that means like being the, the, the be in the moment be in the moment yeah I mean, I think the idea was like, you know, I was trying to bring it back to the, uh, if you're wearing these. Awesome. I also want to say a shout out to Michael Imperioli, they, oh, they who, are. who connected us to Todd for today's podcast. Thanks, Michael. How do you know him? Uh, I met, I met Michael through Megs. Um, he speaks highly the, of you. Oh, I, I love him so much. 
and um and so she was working for dolce at the time yeah it was their dolce gabbana days and he was a client right you're dressing him for something oh and we went she he had invited uh her to the playhouse when he had studio dante and i went to a play and saw what he was up to and it was mind-blowing but our conversations um after the show were were about music yeah, yeah he's a big music fan and we totally hit the 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 apex of our both of our musical likes was with guided by voices uh ohio boys ohio dayton yeah. dayton boys and uh we, we just talked and then i remember saying to him well actually i'm gonna do uh a live show with Bob Pollard in like a week or so. He's coming to town. Uh, would you like to come, you know, to that while I paint? And he's like, oh, really? And he, he <laughs> came with me to the show and boy, did we have a night. I mean, it was, it was a late one. It was a good one. Uh, it was a great show and he got to meet Bob and um, Bob was, was incredible. First like line out of Bob's mouth coming up off the stage and seeing Michael backstage and I was warned by Bob's manager because we got there and I kind of set up, we didn't say hi to the band at first. We just were going to go after. And so I just got set up and we just hung out and did our thing. And, um, Rich, who's his manager was like, Hey, Bob's going to flip out. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like such a big Imperioli fan. You have no idea what this is going to do. And I'm like, what's going to happen? He's like, I don't know, but it's going to be good. And I was like, Really? He's like, oh, can't wait. So end of the show happens. We wander backstage and Bob's literally walking up the steps, like toweling off. And he just stops his eyes open. And he just sees him across the room. And he goes, what are you doing here? I thought you listened to Winger. <laughs> it's like the first thing he said. I thought you listened to Winger. And Michael's like, uh, hey, nice to meet you. And like, you know, it's just like. Where did he get the Winger thing? I from? don't know. Like, Kip Winger, just, shout out Kip Winger. Yeah, Kip Winger, shout out. <laughs> She's only 17. Anyway, so that was just like a riff. He didn't have any. I, like, it was just a moment. Like that happened. And, uh, you know, and this is Bob getting off stage after. Um, intense amounts of alcohol as you know from uh, mm. his his on stage is this goes it just goes until he is on his back singing highway to hell and you you don't know what's going on they're dragging him off and so that's usually the case but he's still standing at this one and came up and and then it was just an all-night you know fun fest with everybody talking and, and hanging out it was cool they got to like talk music and film bob's a big film buff like he's a huge film head which was cool. Did so. you read Michael's book? I didn't read it yet. It's so good. He's going to kill me. It's really good. It's really interesting. I really liked it. And I have a copy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I heard you guys talking about it, and I just thought, wow. It's wild. Yeah, wild. Yeah. And I, did, I thought the same thing. I thought there was some autobiographical notes in there. Mm -hmm. And after hearing him talk about it, I'm like, man, it just isn't. Like, you know, you want to believe that? You do, Todd, but you know it's not true. You know, it's like, and because he's so convincing. That's just it. That just shows you his, his like mastery, his craft. You know, it's like, you, you want to say that it, that somehow that he's, that he's like, no, you know, but he's so inspired by it. And he's such a, he's such a uh, incredible person. 
His playhouse was awesome. Had you ever? He doesn't limit himself. No. He, you know, he's like, I, I love people that don't, that are, aren't afraid to be expansive like that. Have yeah. you ever uh, been to any of his band shows? Uh, are you talking about, we're talking about Guided by Voices or Michael? Michael. No, no, no. He had a band. I um, went to a reading of his book, though, with, with Lydia Lunch and some other people. Okay. So that was kind of mu- there was music going on. Did, but I yeah, it was like the Zopa thing that he's doing now. Was it? Uh, was he singing or talking no. or it playing was, guitar? It was, they were acting out scenes from it the was book. A bass player, doing dude. He can play and sing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's we interesting. we did. He he does it all. He he does he's do it all. It's fun to listen to. Like just listening to him talk is fun. You I can know. Just sit around listening to him is. I know. Pretty fun. He's an incredible guy. His his yeah. fir- the first band was uh, La Dolce Vita, uh-huh. um, at least that I know of, and that I was uh, privy to, and we actually traveled together and went to a couple shows in like Philly all together, and just had the best times like dinners and then the shows and he was with this band that we had um, kind of executive produced called Death of Fashion mm-hmm. that Michael loved too and so he would have Death of Fashion open, and and they would trade off you know, for shows. And they were doing a bunch of stuff like LES and all around. And nobody knew it was Michael's band. He wouldn't really say anything or, you know, he doesn't put himself out there like that. It was about the music, which I loved about him. And so it was cool. We did all these underground places and everyone would be like, what's he doing here? It's like, he's in the band. Like, did you get it? Like, (laughs) it was fun. Oh, I did Hungry Ghost with him too. He used, um, uh, again, like a plot point using art in the film he used i brought like an archive of like 50 original live drawings and so in the hungry ghost there's a record store uh is part of the plot and uh they hung like my work like edge to edge to edge all the originals in a record store and to me i was like this is not what a record store looks like like you know like (laughs) and some but for him, art. yeah, but for him doing that, it put it all into perspective of like what the film was about. See, I don't see those things. I didn't see that big picture. That's who Michael is. He, he sees it. He's creating a world. And I always felt his passion was just writing all the time. Anyway, don't you feel like when he's acting? I mean, he's an incredible actor. But then if you talk to him, you, you realize that he'd much rather be writing. Time to have him on the pot again. I don't know. I would love to act. I think that would be so fun. The little, the few times I've done it, I really. You should try it. I enjoyed it a lot. Do a play. I mean, that's probably the best way to to break into that. I've, I've not done it. I've only uh, been. I I was cast as myself in Gossip Girl. Nice. For for two episodes, as myself. And I had a line in the I first one, but I wasn't. Your IMDb. I, it's not. It's not. They wouldn't let me because really? I, I'm because I'm not union. You didn't have talking lines. I did. So I'm like the guy in the gray area because like I uh, talked, and I have no. Maybe we should like put this on the record, but <laughs> no, they. Um, so I you never, were on some episodes that came yeah. out and everything. Mm-hmm. And I had oh. words on both of them, and uh, they refused to credit me on IMDb because I'm not union. I thought, I thought once so I can't have talk, it on IMDb. I thought once you have lines, you're in. If you watch the show, I'm in the credits. But if you look for anything else, like I'm, a, I'm just another underground character. 
All right, well, we better wrap this up. It's been yeah. going on for two hours. Uh, how are you going oh, to sketch it? Well, you know what? Let's do a quick portrait. I'm going to do a yeah, yeah, portrait. Yeah. Like something fun and fast. Well, let's do that after the podcast. Or you want to well, do no, it? Well, no, I'll add it. I want to add it to the podcast. Uh, okay. And you want me to work like right here? Yeah, wherever you want because I could set the camera. For those of you All listening, right. thank you for listening. For those of you watching, Todd is going to sketch Joe. Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in. What what? Give everybody your like social media and everything like that. I'm at Odyssey at O D D D C across Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. Do you like Tumblr? I think I like Tumblr better than all of them. Me too. Secretly, and it's yeah. still going, huh? Yep. I need. I want to. I want to get back on that. They just seem like a solid. Like it's they just, fun. It's like okay, man. This is who we are. I we thought that was to. like the future. Like you could. It was just like the ultimate creative. You could do whatever you want. Put music. I feel like I get way more interaction there creatively interaction, huh. not just people like, can you say hi? It's like, no, I like, if you want to like, let's talk about art here. Right. And I, I love that. Like Tumblr was all about that. Like people would ask about on, mediums huh? and yeah. yeah, it is. I want to do that. All yeah. right. Thanks, Todd. Cool. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Joseph. Thanks. Thanks Ahu. Thank you. Later, everybody. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.